Hello and welcome to Neuroshambles, the podcast that aims to shine a light into some of the murkier corners of what it's like to parent neurodivergent kids. I'm Mark Allen, and every episode I'm going to be swapping stories with my guests about some of the frankly ludicrous nonsense we have to deal with on a daily basis. So, if you're anything like me and you're feeling frazzled, overwhelmed and pretty much an outcast from polite society, join me. Hello and welcome to episode one of Neuro Shambles. First things first, thank you. Uh, thanks for listening, because obviously listening to episode one of any podcast is a bit of a shot in the dark, isn't it? Uh, and I'm hoping that your leap of faith is going to be well rewarded by the end of this podcast. Uh, I guess I should start by saying a little bit about myself. I'm Mark Allen. I'm a lapsed stand-up comedian, now very active parent of three wonderful hooligans. I've got two boys. Uh, Jay is 10 and he is diagnosed autistic with ADHD. And I've also got uh, Otto, who is eight and he's also diagnosed with autism and ADHD, though he presents very differently to his brother. So that's already a bit of fun in our household. I've also got a six-year-old daughter, India, who is suspected neurotypical. (laughs) I say suspected, because I have learned by now not to count my chickens. Uh, I'm going to wait and see how this one plays out before I make any real judgments on this. Um, Now, we all live in Brighton with my former partner, Tam, who is mother of all three kids and an all-round excellent human being who I enthusiastically co-parent with. Uh, Tam has also recently realised that they are neurodivergent with autism and ADHD flavours, so (laughs) it is all going on in our house. Now, being a neurotypical myself, there is a giddy melting pot of differently wired brains at play there, and it leads to what I affectionately term the neuro shambles in our household, which obviously gave me the name of this podcast. Now, in the world of podcasts, as I'm sure you already know, there are loads of ones out there that provide an in-depth look at neurodivergent kids and offer practical advice on how to parent them and all that guff. And many of them are brilliant and insightful and super helpful. But that is not what Neuroshambles is. Uh, If that is what you're looking for, it's not the place for you. Uh, I'll level with you. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just making it up as I go along. Because uh, <laughs> there's no real rule book for raising a neurodivergent family, is there? Now, what you will get from this podcast is a very honest discussion about the day to day challenges that I face. And I'm going to be talking to other guests to get an insight in what they're dealing with as well, because obviously everyone's setup is very different. Autism presents very differently, uh, and ADHD presents very differently. And, you know, people kind of handle that in different ways. And that's what I'm kind of interested in getting to the bottom of a little bit more. Um, but essentially, I'm hoping that this is a place for people to be able to share stories from the front line of parenting neurodivergent kids. Tales from the trenches, if you like, and I'm going to try and keep it light-hearted and fun, and as fun as it gets, obviously, because sometimes there's going to be serious stuff that comes with the territory of what we're talking about. Sometimes, but I'll try not to take it too seriously because that that is very easy to do in our situation, and I think we could all do with a little bit of light and positivity occasionally, and that's what I'm hoping this is going to be. Um, so yeah, that pretty much sums up me and the podcast. In a moment, I'm going to introduce our first guest, but before I do that, I should probably add a trigger warning at this point to say that there will inevitably be swearing throughout the podcast and throughout the entire series. Uh, now I can't imagine that's going to offend many parents of neurodivergent kids because I'm, 
I'm sure we've experienced a lot worse than a few F-bombs, but I think I should warn you anyway, just to let you know. So now that's out of the way, without further ado, I'd like to meet our first guest after this generic swoosh. Meet the guest. So uh, I am delighted to welcome to the first episode of Neuro Shambles, uh, our first meet the guest contender. who is the wonderful Joe Matthews? Um, hi, hi, Joe. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, I'm good. I am good. Welcome to the show. Um, I, I suppose a bit of context is I know I know Joe um, from what how, just just local neurodivergent circles. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's a the... cool gang, cool gang to be in. <laughs> it is very much so. So we um, so you know my kids uh, very well now. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we crashed into your life about uh, two years ago, mm-hmm. um, and obviously I know yours, so we'll be kind of talking about that. But yeah. obviously, for the listeners who don't know your setup, can you just describe a little bit about um, the the neurodiversity going on in your household? So, in our household, um, our eldest George is twenty, and George. It seems weird to say we were very lucky in that he didn't speak. He couldn't speak until he was about three and a half or four. And that got us fast-tracked into the system. So he was diagnosed just after his third birthday. And diagnosed Um, with autism. He's autistic. And then more recently, he's also been diagnosed with severe ADHD, which we sort of always knew but it hadn't mm-hmm. caused him any difficulties so here we are and then Dottie my girl is nearly 17 um and she was first referred when she was four and was diagnosed eventually when she was 10 and Dottie wow. is autistic okay. with sensory processing disorder and quite a few sort of physical health issues that seem to go hand in hand with autism in girls it took six years to diagnose of going backwards and forwards and because obviously girls didn't have autism back in those days right no oh no no they were just quirky (laughs) or copying their brother or uh quite a few hearing tests because i will maybe she's deaf um and yeah, it's such a strange experience having one of each and just seeing that difference. Yeah. In, and then resources as well, because George, being a boy, everything was external. So he kicked and bit and threw chairs and caused havoc everywhere mm-hmm. he went, especially school. And therefore, he had resources piled on him. Right. Because yeah. he was causing problems for other people. Mm-hmm. Dottie was the kid crying in the corner and wasn't causing any trouble for anyone. So, again, that uphill battle to get resources and to get what she needed. Yeah. Anyway, but here we are, happy, healthy, kind of thriving, <laughs> surviving. You are. I think you are. <laughs> you are. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And in terms of sort of the rest of the household, because obviously we've got a neurodivergent, uh, you know, Tam is is autistic with ADHD. Uh, I'm neurotypical, so it's a bit of a collision of neurotypes. I'm so what sorry. About your, 
That <laughs> <laughs> must be hard. <laughs> well, I know I'm very used to it now. I don't know anything else, do I? Let's face yeah. it. <laughs> just, you were born that way. It's not your fault. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Just try and tolerate me if you can, Joe. Oh, I'll do my best. <laughs> what about your household? So neither of us have sought formal diagnoses. But again, that really interesting difference, because as soon as George was diagnosed, we both said, oh, wait a minute, Phil's autistic too. And <laughs> it was just really obviously, he used to tiptoe walk when he was anxious. Oh, really? And, and that is yeah. like a classic sign, isn't it? Yes. So, but usually in kids, does he do it as a grown-up? Yeah, he said he stopped now, weirdly. But when I first met him, I used to go, Why are you on your tiptoes all the time? Were you making him anxious all the time, Joe? Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> and then also, he was really odd. I just thought he was joking. But he, I can't, I can't think of a solitary example now. But so, yeah, Phil, as soon as George was diagnosed, we had that light bulb moment of, Oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute. And then I, it's interesting, Dottie, from about the age of 12, has been saying to me, Mum, you do know you're autistic, don't you? <laughs> and I've been, at first was like, no, don't be daft, I'm sociable, I'm, you know, outgoing, I'm loud. I'm... And then the more I've learned about women and girls and the more mm. I've thought about the amount of times I say the wrong thing and don't realize I've done it I upset people or I I don't know when it's my turn to talk ever <laughs> that's gonna make a fun podcast then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm a bit worried <laughs> we need a code word which could just be shut up Joe <laughs> I could just say that can I no I'm not gonna do that obviously and um yeah so I've sort of gradually realized hang on a minute and then all of the things that I just thought were me being an arsehole, like, I don't know, I I see rules as suggestions that I may or may not follow, <laughs> dependent on yes. how I'm feeling. I don't care who anyone is. If I think they're wrong, I'll argue with them. All of those traits that I just thought were me being deeply flawed, Dottie says, Mum, you're autistic and you're a bit demand avoidant and... Yeah, yeah, so it's re- interesting. We're an interesting household. Yeah, I've stopped second guessing now. Uh, like anyone, it's just like I just you know people may be neurodivergent, they may not. I might as well just assume that that's just you know part of whoever they are, or yeah. whatever they are. Because Tam, I we we just assumed that Tam was uh, neurotypical for years. Yes, and uh, and then sort of just scratching away and going oh actually this is uh this is slightly neurodivergent and then just the more we understood about autism yes. uh, the more we kind of recognized so many traits and they contextualized so much stuff it doesn't change tam and and uh it doesn't change kind of my relationship with tam and my friendship with tam but uh it is it was quite an interesting kind of eye-opener i think um a couple of years ago when we realized that yeah and I, think, I feel left out in my house, to be honest. Well, I mean, <laughs> could you just try to behave in a more autistic way? <laughs> I think for me, and even though I don't really feel that I can lay claim to that identity, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. but the more I sort of think, oh, yeah, I do have that trait, it's almost like 
I then am able to stop beating myself up about things and to think, yeah. well, actually that happens because I can't help that. And therefore, you know, I'm not lazy. I've, I'm just, and I'm not, disor- I'm not, I'm chaotic in life. <laughs> And I used to beat myself up, but now I think more like, well, actually, I'm probably not. That's, I'll be honest, that's, that was, that is why I'm so, I feel so comfortable in your presence, Joe. I don't, mm. I'm really, you, because you own, <laughs> you, you own your chaos. I guess that's a really strange way of putting it, but, but you are just like, this is who we are. Yeah. This, like I'm not going to change that this is who we are and you know accept us or you don't but I'm not going to change it and that, that's for for someone early on in the sort of journey of autism and my kids that felt so weirdly empowering to 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 have someone just sort of own it because I've been I'm as a, as a neurotypical, I spend so much of my time trying to kind of tamp down the behavior of my kids in certain yeah. social situations yeah. and, and getting really anxious about it and wanting them to behave in inverted commas normally that to see you just kind of going, yeah, this, this yeah. is who we are. Stop. Yeah. It's so like, it was just so empowering and it was so kind of inspiring. So uh, I think that's definitely helped me on my journey. I was really lucky in that so when George was very first diagnosed I think I went through something a lot of parents probably go through of thinking oh this is awful this is a disaster this is I'm going to fix it so Mm -hmm. I was online looking for how do I fix this and I stumbled across a group called Aspies for Freedom and I don't (laughs) know if they still exist but they were one of the very very early autistic um acceptance groups who were saying we're autistic actually we quite like being autistic and no we're not going to do behavioral therapies or social skills groups or and that absolutely changed my mindset into I'm gonna raise a child and then children to celebrate who they are and not to try and squash it or change it or yeah. fit in why fit in when you can stand out what was that group called again aspies for freedom where did you find it is that on facebook i went i think oh god to my now great shame i was googling autism cures and looking at <laughs> oh my god all the did you find one no have you met my kids <laughs> did you... so uh, if anyone is listening to this podcast, hoping that we're going to tell you about Akio, just, just, no. just stop, stop listening now. <laughs> it's, it's not. Wrong That's podcast. not what this is. <laughs> However, yeah. if you want something where you will celebrate your child and you will seek out, that's the other thing, seek out other people who celebrate them rather than tolerate, tolerate them and seek yeah. that connection, life will be wonderful, mostly. What's the topic of the week? So our topic of the week, I wanted to do is our first one, um, camping, um, because it's something that I do a lot. But but the whole format of NeuroShambles really is to look at some things that neurotypical families kind of find relatively straightforward. Um, and we have to approach it in a very different way because of the fun and challenges that our children present us. Mm-hmm. Um, and camping is a really good example for me in that my kids 
love camping. Uh, they absolutely, because I, and I, I don't know, are, are yours the same in terms of uh, George and Dottie big no. camping fans? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. So you're going <clears> to, <throat> so obviously, because camping for my lot is almost liberating, yes. I think, in that when you go camping, you've you've got to lower the bar like really Mm. (laughs) really low so all of the things that would normally cause those little friction points in our day like meal times and sitting at the table for meal times we don't do that when we're camping we kind of eat up a tree or wherever Mm. they are right um and there's yeah like sleep as well there's no bedtime routine really when you're camping they just sort of wait until the sun goes down they're very good in that they sort of take themselves to bed when they feel like it, which is great. But camping, the, it just weirdly, the lack of routine is almost liberating for them. For kids who actually like routine. Do you think it's low demand? Because what you're describing is an yeah. environment in which all of the demands on them are reduced to almost zero. And they've got that autonomy to just be wild little hellions for however long <laughs> yeah. you're there. No, it, yeah, it absolutely is. I think, I think not, uh, yes. So there's definitely low demand on the kids and that's definitely a thing. We do, Also, we're away camping. That's what we're doing. That's the event. So there's no other stuff we're trying to squeeze into that. They've got no OT appointments. So we've got no after school clubs and no getting them to school. It's just like we're just here existing. Mm-hmm. So there's no agenda, which I think helps. Um, there's also no screens. And I think that in a way, like I like my kids love screens. Oh, um, yeah. But, uh, and it's a very important kind of part of how they regulate themselves. But if there are no screens there and no access to them, then they're not being denied anything that they want. Do you see what I mean? Because it's not an option. See, that went wrong for us quite early on, <laughs> which is part of why camping has attained a legendary status in our house. So I love camping. It's one of my... I love what you're describing the freedom the I love it sounds weird that everything takes a long time so it makes you slow down yes so yes, yes. making a coffee becomes a 20 minute I'm sitting <laughs> in my chair under I love it and the kids absolutely hate it <laughs> <laughs> And I I think I always call it mum goggles when you're looking at thinking about something and you've got this rose-tinted view of what it would be yes. like. Yeah. I had thought all of the above. Oh, my Lord, the freedom, the nature. The, they wanted Wi-Fi and nothing but Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, even when they were really, even when they were a lot, a lot littler? I mean, when they were a lot littler... They wanted, mine were on screens, each of them from about the age of five. Um, And they wanted their, whatever it was at that time, their DS or their Game Boy, which they could do, but as soon as the batteries started running low, all hell would break loose. Um, And then, yeah, as they got a bit older, Wi-Fi. We made the mistake once. So I kept trying because mum goggles. I kept thinking, no, this time it will work. This time we will go <laughs> camping. We will have fun. Oh, dear God. So we went to this beautiful place, idyllic nature, no Wi-Fi. 
I hadn't researched properly. There was no Wi-Fi, barely any signal. And one afternoon, me and Phil, the husband, and Dottie, the daughter, sort of had a nap, had a little rest, and George was left to his own devices. And when we woke <laughs> up, he'd made a sock puppet, right? Which you'd think, oh, that's amazing. No screens. He's, like, doing something creative. This sock puppet was called Pedo Sock. <laughs> how old was he at this point? Like 10, 11. I don't know what, how or even if he knew what pedo meant. He just knew it was something you're not meant to say. And, and that's the other thing we discovered that day for the first time. There's no walls. Intense. No. There's no, no soundproofing. No. So we're no. there with him shouting, Hello, I'm Pedo Sock, <laughs> and trying to attack us. And we're like, it felt like inches away from really nice, normal, middle class families yeah. doing nice, normal things. <laughs> and we're trying to silence a little maniac with a Pedo Sock puppet. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that wasn't great. Yeah. That is that is definitely one of the challenges of camping is 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 um is being right in amongst uh, neurotypical families who don't get your setup and they don't understand, uh you know you the, your neurodivergences and also you are separated by canvas so they can hear everything. Yes. And where that really kind of gets us is the early mornings because Otto wakes up super early. Oh Like no. he'll wake up at like five <gasps> and. Uh, and if you know, he could be right next. You know, he's feet away from someone with just two bits of canvas separating. Oh, good them. Lord. So he yeah. gets up, and he's also got no volume control. So it's like it's he's either on or off for Otto, <laughs> and so he'll he'll want to start playing. And so one of us, either Tam or I, have to get up and occupy him. And at we five sort of a.m. Oh Lord, at five a.m. Um, and try and keep him quiet, but he wants to play. He doesn't. Like he doesn't do quiet reading. Jay will just, you know, kind of read to himself and just occupy himself. But Otto constantly needs interaction and no one needs interaction at five no. in the morning. No. And even fewer people want to hear people interacting at five in the morning um, oh, right next to their heads. So <laughs> um, there, was, there was one time we went to a wedding. And again, this is like um, my <laughs> uh, we went to a wedding where it was glamping. And it was really nice. They'd set up these really nice yurts. It was like, you know, typically, that's a lovely idea. Can For I just say, setup, Mark, that's the most yeah. middle class thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't my wedding. That's I'll be fabulous. <laughs> it was like, let's slum it, but not actually slum it. Yeah. Um, uh, but it was really nice because it meant that everyone could stay on site. And then, you know, uh, it, it worked really well um, uh, until Otto woke up at five in the morning oh, and no. we are like in amongst loads of people who've had a heavy night because you know it's a wedding it's a right wedding. um and we've really he's really loud so i have to get him up and walk him around this massive field uh <laughs> i mean i've barely slept i i'm oh. a bit hungover and i'm trying to sort of like trying to occupy him by pointing out like cows and wildlife and stuff yeah. whilst passing people who haven't gone to bed yet People who still hammered from the party and just thinking, what has my life become? What is I yes. used to be one of you. Yeah. And did you know at that point that he was autistic? How old was he? Uh, he was, I would think, probably 
three or four at that age. Uh, maybe, yeah, probably nearer to three. Uh, and we didn't know because our experience, I think we didn't, we knew that Jay was, had a lot of energy and was very different but we didn't really hadn't pinned that on autism at that point. But also because Jay represents so differently Mm. to Otto, we were like, you know, even, I mean, it took us a while to kind of understand that Otto was autistic as well, because it was like, well, that's what autism is because Jay is very overt and presents in, you know, that, that, uh, yes. Quite quite typically autistic way in well, what is typically autistic? That's a ridiculous st- statement, but um in a way that it, it was quite obvious that he was very kind of, you know, uh single minded and he is socially just an absolute car crash. Um <laughs> whereas Otto w- was very sociable. Uh and so when he was having a bit of difficulty, instead of sort of acting out and being kind of abrasive and uh you know rude he would just be in tears and and want to kind of hide away and so it took us a while to understand that they were two different facets of the same thing but then just to bring it back to the the topic uh both of them are relaxed when they're camping it's really uh, but but i think Otto likes the sociability side of it because there's loads of people around who have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So, so they can talk to him and they can play with him. Uh, and Jay is just a bit more free range. He can go to go and go wander off into the woods or he can um, sort of hang out in his tent because he's now um, he's now in his own tent. I've, I've, which, I've uh, seen his tent, is, yes. <laughs> which is a new development, and it has made a big difference. Um, and this all sort of started uh, as a result of uh, a, a less successful camping trip that we had. What happened? Um, where, well, we we were all in one big tent, mm. and... Uh, and that was was fine, but I think as he gets older, he needs more and more to be able to have his own space for regulating. And that doesn't necessarily need to be uh, like really far removed from everyone, but he just needs to have his what he perceives to be his own safe space, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously in a shared tent, there isn't any of that. And Otto in India don't, you know, they're in a tent, so there's not really any... Yeah kind of there are no doors or anything so they're just kind of uh you know hooning around the the tent and jay's getting increasingly furious about it uh and then yeah there was one particular episode where he just went absolutely nuts and uh <laughs> and we realized that it wasn't it wasn't really workable um and then the last the last straw was this year we went to elderflower fields festival right yeah which oh, you went oh, to yes, and it was, I was um, there See, he and, and I think for the first time we realised that Jay loves camping, but he hates people. <laughs> like large groups of people are really triggering for him. Mm. So we went camping uh, and we go camping just, you know, just us lot. And, and it's absolutely fine. He's totally fine. But we went to a festival and he was, he turned into an old man. And <laughs> Like, he kept saying, "When when are we going to leave this wretched festival?" <laughs> and the most galling thing would be the amount of money it costs to go there. 
I know, I know. And to be honest, we did it for Otto because Otto absolutely loves music and he loves that environment. And we have sort of been clinging on to this idea that we can do a, a thing for all of us as a family. Mm. We could do this thing and it'd be really nice. We could do all this together and have this shared experience. But the more and more we sort of try and do that, the more we realise that actually yeah. we're going to need to divide and conquer. Because, not yeah. you know, the, the way that Jay presents and the way that Otto presents is so different that to finding a thing that's going to kind of keep everyone happy is very, very difficult. And Jay got more and more infuriated and he would, <laughs> he, he'd try and go to bed early um, and people would be at a festival. So they would be talking and drinking near their tent and, you know, there'd be the sound of music in the background and he was getting increasingly <laughs> furious and he'd be shouting through the tent, shut up! Oh, um, and at oh, one God. point... Tam had to Tam had to stop him going out to tell off a, go, a group of kids who were chatting about football. Like he was like, "I'm going to go out there and tell them." It's like, Jay, this is not no. Yes. They're, they're fine. It's not even nine o'clock, dude. Um, and uh, we realised basically that this wasn't sustainable. So, so Tam agreed to take him home. Um, so then it was just me and Otto and India there. And that was, that was fine because they both wanted to be there and I wanted to be there. And that, but you know, it's sad for Tam because Tam enjoys festivals as well. So we, you know, we kind of, uh, Tam drew the short straw there. Uh, and that was when we decided that we really needed to get a blow up tent <laughs> because, wow. because taking down a tent that's got poles on my own is quite, or, or putting up a tent with poles is an impossibility. Whereas mm. actually, next year I can go with Otto in, in India, who aren't going to help put the tent up. Let's no. face it, um, and I can do that with a blow up tent without any problems. So that's that's my top tip if you're camping with autistics. <laughs> if you go with five of you, don't always plan to come back with all five this yes i think you have to have a flexible approach to be honest i'm quite envious that you ever had any help setting up or taking down the tent because um well, tam, was... tam has been very helpful yeah, yeah. It's, it's phil phil not that guy no <laughs> phil i mean bless him whatever it is he does for work he's really really good at he moves numbers around and so he's an absolute genius with numbers when it comes to anything and I mean anything practical he's hopeless so <laughs> right from the get-go I was like oh let's go camping it's going to be wonderful I'd get there and the three of them would just sit watching me set everything up on my own whilst moaning so yeah no <laughs> I, I never had yeah, any but... help whatsoever <laughs> That is a particularly galling part of camping. Camping with neurodivergent kids is is the the lack of help you get and the sort of excess of criticism. Oh my god! Because like it because they can't wait, right? Yes. I don't know if you also anything like mine, but they're they're so impatient. They want to get their stuff out. It's like, dude, I'm mm. doing all the work. I know. So if you want to help, like, that's but they great. can't get that. And then when it's time to when it's time to go home. What they would do is they would, so we'd wake up and I'd say, right, we'll pack up and we'll go home today. That's it. We've had enough. That, that I'm done. So then they would immediately go and sit in the car. This is the kids, not Phil. <laughs> I'm sure Phil would have if he felt he could. They would sit in the car and about once every two minutes, one of them would go, can we leave now? <laughs> 
And I'm going, not really. I'm taking down this massive tent and packing up all your crap. And, what, and yeah. packing up takes so much longer as well, doesn't it? Oh my god! And it's that. It's. I mean, you have to let go of so much as a parent of neurodivergent kids. But yeah, that was galling. Yeah. That like, are they beeping the horn? <laughs> have they done that yet? I think they would <laughs> if they could have. Uh, but yeah that used yeah. to be the trigger point for me when I would finally just lose my temper about what a disaster it had all been is that just having to do all the work and just getting yeah. a stream of abuse for it <laughs> well I had that because this so so when so we decided recently that Jay needed his own tent mm-hmm. and Tam and I had a tent that we used went to go hiking with years ago so it's it, and it's amazing like two-person tent so for jay it's absolutely perfect uh and uh he was like i'm gonna pitch it on my own because again jay knows best <laughs> jay believes that he's the expert yes. at anything and everything mm-hmm. so he decided that he was gonna pitch it on his own so i was like okay i'll let you i also know that that's not the easiest of tents to put up, but I gave him some space to do that. And he was like criticizing the wind, (laughs) cursing the gods. It was my fault somehow. I mean, it was like, at one point he said, you are, you are more ignorant than a truckload of minced beef. Uh, (laughs) I mean, to be fair, Mark, he's right. You are. (laughs) He was just saying it. He didn't have to say it. Oh, he's excellent. Uh, so, so then I, I <laughs> um, so then I had to sort of help him without sort of by pretending I wasn't helping him. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So I had to let him feel like I'm not really helping him that much. It was it's a very deli- delicate balance so that he feels like he's done it on his own, um, whilst also not really doing it. Um, but now he's in his own tent and he's it's it's a massive change he's been able to just kind of go in there and read and then come out when he wants to yes. that makes a big difference so he's a lot yeah. happier there um i also remember uh which, which we uh helping george with a with a tent so we went <laughs> When we went camping with you guys and George was next to us and he was obviously really struggling. So he takes after Phil there, right? Yeah. Uh, So he was really struggling with his tent. So I was like, do you you want a hand? And he was like, yeah, yeah, please. Um, And so I started sort of looking at the poles and and trying to work out how it worked. (laughs) He just fucked off. He left me to to it. So so I did it all on my own. Yeah, he'll do that. (laughs) And then he just sort of rocked up afterwards and moved in and that was it. He probably didn't even say thank you. (laughs) Probably not. It's fine. But again, I'm very used to that. But he gets that from (laughs) Phil. And I feel bad because I feel like I'm bad-mouthing Phil, who is just the best person in the world. But both Phil and George get through life by this amazing ability to charm other people into doing things for them. I think Jay (laughs) has that. Yeah, Yeah. Jay definitely has that quality. (laughs) But um, yeah, George is, I don't know how he gets away with it, but he will just get other people to do it and not even appreciate it. So we're sort of talking about how how difficult camping is, which does make me question why we do it. Um, I think from, from my perspective, the kids get a lot out of it. Yes. Um, and there's there's a place that we go every year. So, you know, uh, 
we've we've learned to not camp in very populous places as a family now that's mm. that's that's one thing we've taken from that uh so if we can find somewhere that's quite relatively quiet and secluded then everyone's happy there uh i i do <laughs> i don't know if you have this but i had a major issue this year um with <laughs> with pda and working out where to pitch a tent oh right no. because so if people are listening i need to th- there will be acronyms used in this that you may or may not be familiar with as uh, parents of neurodivergent kids pda is one that's going to come up a lot which is pathological demand avoidance which is uh, very prevalent in uh, a lot of autistics i think um which basically you know it, I, I think both of my kids have it and it represents itself in kind of the opposite way really uh in that jay uh has to exercise control over everything so he will just literally refuse to do anything he doesn't want to do mm. unless he can see a reason for it he will just say no and he will be so stubborn that there's no point in continuing so that's kind of his demand avoidance um otto has uh pda as well but that manifests itself in he he panics so if a demand is placed on him he can't process it quick enough he knows that there's a response needed and he'll just massively panic Mm. and so he'll say no without really thinking about what's been offered i could say to him do you want some chocolates and if he's not ready for that question he'll say no and then a couple of seconds later go actually yeah i do want chocolate (laughs) i always want chocolate um so that's how it kind of manifests itself in him so so jay's is to control things so that he's kind of comfortable and otto's is to just so that this the the stress of having to make a decision just goes away we also realized recently that tam has pda (laughs) um so there's a there's a lot going on in my household and this uh, was perfectly typified when we went camping this year and we got there and it was this massive field and there were loads of places to camp it's like right well where are we going to camp okay (laughs) well this seems like a good place okay so jay's got his own tent tam's got the tent that we're having and we're pitching um so then jay was like i'm gonna pitch in the shade over here uh and tam was like no i'm not pitching the shade i want to be in the sunshine so i'm gonna pitch over here and i said well jay you can't pitch over there because you're miles away yeah. from us you have to be near us like i'm i'm fine with you having your own tent, but you have to be near us and he was like i'm pitching in the shade <laughs> and i was like right okay well tam can we move our tent nearer to, to jay then <laughs> and tam was just like no i'm pitching so i'm in the middle going can we just make a fucking decision please <laughs> and then and i'm just getting more and more frustrated because i can't balance these two things it's not possible no. and, um and then we get a phone call from the people we're camping with who'd pitched around the corner oh, no. and they both went no but they both went oh fine we'll just pitch with them so it's like tip typifies pda because i'm not placing a demand on them the other people aren't placing a demand they're just saying well this is where we're pitched they both then go well it's not a demand and it seems we can do that yeah so for god's sake the shit i have to deal with on a daily basis before you even (sighs) start (laughs) exactly yeah well it was uh perfectly encapsulated it and but that was that was a fun camping trip um the other thing is there's always loads of other children around which for my two was something of a mixed blessing dotty occasionally could make a friend and play with someone successfully for Mm -hmm. a few hours george 
could, because um, George is a hedonist, so he was quite good at just getting in with the naughty. If there was like any naughty kids on site, he could get in with them and cause yeah. havoc. And um, it's that sort of you're being forced to interact with other families all the time. Yes, yes, because you've got all this time oh on your hands Lord. as well. So there and was place to explore. One of our favourite family stories. We were up at Stony Wish. And um, it was all going quite well. And there was this nice woman with a kind of maybe three-year-old. And I must admit, so he was clambering about on this climbing frame thing. And I must admit, I was thinking... So how old, how old is George at this point? That, well, this was Dot. Dot was about okay. six. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, And we were sort of waiting to have a go. And he was clambering. And the mum was really hovering. So I was feeling a bit judgmental and thinking, oh, God, helicopter parents. And then I realised, oh, this child only had one arm. The problem being, Dottie also realised. And Dottie went, "Um, I've just noticed he's only got one arm (laughs) to the parent. (laughs) Say what you see. Yeah. And the mum, to be fair, was absolutely lovely about it. And was, yes, he has. He has. He was born this way. So he's having to learn to do different. And I was I was just thinking, oh, this is lovely. What an amazing interaction. How wonderful. And then the mum said to the kid, like, come on, Henry, climb up. And Dottie said, bit tricky with your one arm. I couldn't, I couldn't keep it together because it was just the funniest <laughs> thing I'd ever heard. A bit tricky with your one arm, and but then you have to spend another two days being in close proximity oh, with these people yeah. who yeah. must hate you, must hate you. Because <laughs> oh, the mum didn't laugh; she did not find that funny. <laughs> No, no, I can imagine. Um, which is why, like, because I think yes, camping with neurotypicals is is uh, in a group. It, it you you do face those challenges, and it makes it uh, much more difficult. But um, th- we, this is why when you go camping with a group of neurodivergents, <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking joy. It's wonderful, isn't it? Isn't like, it? so, yeah. so just just for for the listeners, so Joe organizes a a, a camping. Uh, trip once a year for sort of autistic families to basically go into the middle of nowhere and just let it all out and it (laughs) is unbelievable it's just it's so lovely that no one's judgmental no one cares Um, yeah no one cares so the 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 nonsense that goes on because we all take joy in each other's kids as well it's like because we get where it's coming from and there's a there's a shared sort of sense of humor and a shared camaraderie i think of the challenges that we face um that is really liberating. Uh, so I always really look forward to, to, to it every year. And my kids also look forward it to it as well. Great. Even uh, Jay, um, even after what we shall call the incident. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. the incident? When, so <laughs> George would have been, this was like three, four years ago. George would have been 16. How old would Jay have been that very first camping trip? Oh, he'd have been six, six or seven. Then. Yeah. And he, he, there's no easy way to say this, but the report was he kicked George in the bollocks twice. Yes. 
Georgie, <laughs> just to contextualise it a little bit, it wasn't out of the blue. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, no, George deserved the, it, undoubtedly. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to apportion blame. I'm saying that the, there was a game going on. I think that George, and I don't know how complicit George was in this game. It may well have been. He was just... It was just launched upon by children. But the game was that they were trying to wrestle George over or something like that. Yes. And then Jay was just like, I know the way to do it. Because <laughs> obviously in his brain, yes, yes, there is a way to do it. But that is not the way that you should do it with your friends. Uh, so he decided to kick him twice in the, in yeah. the neck. <laughs> so after yeah. the first kick, uh, George issued a stern, don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. which, of course, he... Jay, he thought, I will. And did well, that was again. a demand, right? It yeah. was a <laughs> Don't do that again. Well, actually, fuck you. I am doing that again. <laughs> but George picked him up and threw him yeah. across the field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he launched him like a ragdoll oh. um, across the field. And, um, which obviously, you know, from my part, no judgment. I'm not going to wade in and go, what are you doing? It's like, mm, he fully deserved it. And to be honest, it did it did sort of uh, dampen him down a little bit, I think, in, in, in quite a good way. It's like, oh, there are consequences to my actions this, occasionally. Yes. Uh, it was at that moment that I knew that I loved you and Sam is when I had I went to shame face going, look, you know, I need to just let you know my my massive kid. And you just both went, they probably deserved it. <laughs> so, yes, camp with other neurodivergent families. Yeah, well, there was one time um, where I'm woken in the middle of the night. It's, like, perfectly silent. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I just hear from a neighbouring tent the words, you're a fucking idiot! You're a fucking, <laughs> fucking idiot! And there's some poor parent just trying to, trying to quieten down this child who's having some kind of meltdown oh. in the middle of the night. And I'm just like, you know, at that point, you just kind of roll your eyes and sort of try and roll over and yes, fall back to sleep. Just, and then yeah. the next morning, he was so apologetic. It's like, you don't need, you're not, you yeah. don't, you're not in a place where you need to apologise. Yeah. Seriously, we you're all get among it. friends. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Right, okay. Uh, I think that's camping. I think we've I done think camping. We've it. I think unless that, there's anything else. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if people were expecting <laughs> that practical advice. No, I haven't got no. any. Just muddle but, through. No, get it well, this done. Is, yeah, exactly. I am not. I'm not promising any advice with this podcast <laughs> at all. I'm just promising stories, swapping stories of stuff we've had to deal with, just so that we. Because I think it's so easy in this setup to feel isolated when you feel because you're surrounded by neurotypical families, and you look at Facebook and Instagram and people pick, posting the perfect pictures of their kids and you know, to feel slightly removed from that. So I wanted to sort of create something that people could sort of get together, gather together and go, yeah, there's actually quite a lot of us going through this shit. Yes. And it is actually quite so, um, funny. It is, um, oh, it is. <laughs> sort of when your first child is diagnosed, there's that tendency to think that you've been cast in a tragedy and you haven't. You've been cast in a mm. comedy and you will <laughs> laugh so often at such ridiculous situations. Um, yes. And it's wonderful. Yeah. I, I mean, wouldn't swap not... it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the best comedies have some kind of pathos in there. Exactly. Some, some elements of, you know, sadness. So, um, yeah. And I think that's 
that's where we're, you know, Tam and I are starting to, well, we are, we've been there for a while now of seeing the light in, in our situation and, and just embracing that, fuck it, this is us yeah. uh, mentality. And I think that really helps. It's not all rubbish. Okay, so the next part of uh, the show, this is some, a section that I call, it's not all rubbish, uh, because it's so easy to go to focus on the challenges that we face and some of the things that we find difficult that I think it's also important to shine a light on some of the uh, more lighthearted side of things and some of the, the sort of the positive side of things. Um, so one of the things in the in, it's not all rubbish section is going to be uh, neurodiversity champions, where I want to kind of discuss usually companies uh, that uh, or kind of organisations that make things easier that provide a service that just take a little bit of the the burden away from being neurodivergent or people who get it right um so the neurodiversity champion that i want to talk about this week is actually someone that you're very closely involved in and it has been an absolute kind of godsend for tam and i when we were kind of navigating this journey uh and that is a group called mascot uh who are unbelievable just tell us about your kind of uh, involvement with mascot first Joe. so i have the enormous privilege of being one of the directors of mascot and we kind of grew from a group of parents sat around a coffee table talking about their newly diagnosed children and wondering what the fuck you're meant to do next and we're now I think we've got 1600 members we've got a really active Facebook forum where parents can just be honest and get support and Mm -hmm. advice um I run the program for under 14 so we try and get the kids together we try and give them opportunities to meet each other and just be themselves and not have that pressure but yeah I mean I I'm biased I think we're fantastic and we uh, I mean yeah I endorse that yeah. <laughs> wholeheartedly. It's amazing it is such because again it's just allowing this space for people to be themselves because again like I was explaining earlier uh, as a neurotypical and as someone who is just like insanely kind of aware of how other people perceive us I mean you know I've got my my grounding is in stand-up comedy so that is like I'm nothing if not acutely aware of everyone's reactions so when my kids get involved and I'm in public and people you know you kind of see this this wave of disapproval going on around my kids behavior to go into a place where there is none of that is so liberating and it's so lovely to, to kind of have that and that's I think where Mascot uh, really, really helped us out in the, um, so Mascot to kind of go into that environment. So with the Sunday club was the first time where we went and there's kids of a similar age and they're all neurodivergent and uh, crucially, there's no judgment. So that just kind of, there's this, what I kind of call the joyful disregard for convention. No, there are no rules. So like, uh, I mean, you were saying at, uh, once that someone sort of made their kid come up and say, thank you. And your reaction was so lovely. Yeah. It's like, well, you don't need to do that. I mean, you can, if you want to, I won't mind, but I know they're grateful because they had a great time. And it's that just trying to get out of that neurotypical thinking about how we must behave because mm. must we? Must kids do that? Yeah. Does that matter? Yeah. So you're giving the kids permission to be themselves, but also 
you're giving the parents permission to let them yes. because there's always that feeling that you've got to sort of somehow rein them in. And I don't, yeah. I don't have that uh, when we kind of have the meetups and that's absolutely lovely. Yeah. It's almost, almost like unmasking as a parent yes. um, in a sense. I love as well. that. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm a neurotypical and I'm sort of unmasking and going, you know what? I don't have to pretend that my family is anything other than what we are. Uh, and that's really lovely. So I, I, I yeah. would, you know, well, firstly, thank you for everything you've done for Mascot. And if anyone else uh, wants to kind of learn more about Mascot, there's a Facebook group, which is amazing, um, and find out a little bit more about it. And there's probably other kind of uh, autistic or neurodivergency support groups uh, locally to you that that may do a similar mm. thing, but and if there isn't, well, start uh, one. It's much easier than you would imagine. She yeah, said, exhausted on my knees with absolute exhaustion. It's really easy. It's great, <laughs> but it is is hugely appreciated yeah. and very very. We're very grateful for it. So that is that is our neurodiversity champion for the first episode. Uh, if anyone else, if anyone listening has got any neurodiversity champions that you want to kind of recommend as well, this is normally companies that kind of do it and go, actually, uh, you know, for example, the Science Museum uh, had an autism friendly session uh, and they do it every now and again. And my kids went and it was unbelievable yeah. uh, because they open like two hours before the general public go in and you know you've obviously got to kind of prove that you're autistic or you've got autistic kids you can't just rock up and yeah pretend. um and it every like the lights are up so and the noises are sort of reduced so it's not so sensory they even do stuff like turn the hand dryers off because the hand dryers are like weirdly triggering for my kids yeah. and for other autistic kids so to for my kids to be able to go in there and to be able to have the run of the science museum when there's not so many people Amazing. and when they don't have to queue up for stuff because queuing as we've discussed is a major trigger great. point for we're Jay. not great at that <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so i mean like yeah just a big shout out for the science museum but if anyone else uh, has any kind of recommendations of of, of neurodivergency champions please email the show at hello at neuroshambles.com um and i will uh, i'll give it a shout out because i think it's good to speak spread the word of other uh, to other people tiny wins the next uh section of of the uh, it's not all rubbish bit is the tiny wins so this is uh where i want to focus on things that neurotypical families would it would not be a big deal for a neurotypical family um but in our setup uh something that is would be considered small for them is a massive win for us and i want to kind of champion those and sort of own it and go yeah we're proud of that uh so have you got any tiny wins for us joe i've got a huge win this last okay. week or last two Wicked. weeks so george the boy is 20 yes. and last mm -hmm. year he went off to uni um yes. he's studying I don't know, digital media or something, film production. Um, so the huge win is not only has he somehow scraped through the first year and progressed to the second year, he's just moved into a house share with six friends. Wow. I know. Wow, that's amazing. I know. It's And it's, do you know what's beautiful is they are all neurodivergent. They didn't meet. Oh, really? Yeah. They didn't meet through a club or a formal. They just found each other. Um, and, yeah, I 
I am so, so delighted for him. That's amazing. And proud of him. And and I sometimes I sort of think um normal in inverted commas families wouldn't feel this joy, wouldn't they'd just be like, Oh yeah, he's in a house yet. Well, it's just a thing they do, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just a tick on the on the list of things that they're expected to do. Um and I mean like from my perspective, like Jay wants to go to university, but I don't, he's not great with other people. So, and I, I see similarities between Jay and George. Um, so like the, the idea that, that they can find their tribe just, and their own little, uh, yeah. little sort of, uh, group of people that fills me with a lot of optimism as yeah. well, that, that it, it is possible. It's in, yeah. And I'm just so happy for him and that he's done it not by being, in any way pretending to be who he isn't he's done it by being unapologetically himself brilliant that's fantastic that's a major win yeah yeah so yeah we're very happy this week yeah let's celebrate that one with you what the flip all right uh the the uh the other thing that I wanted to, to bring to this as well is the the what the flip section. Now this this section is almost entirely, I'll be honest, inspired by Jay and some of the some of the things that he says because he says very funny but really quite disarming scathing. things. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes He's quite scathing where you can, so <laughs> so what the flip is when he comes out with stuff and you it really throws you just like a curveball. You, you yeah. I don't know what how to deal with what yeah. you just said. So I'm, what I'm going to do is just write it down and tell people and I they will these. also see that it's yes. a bit. So. <laughs> So, you know, so I had one earlier, which is the, uh, he, he said that I'm more ignorant than a truckload of minced beef. That was one. Fair. Um, Fair. So this, this, <laughs> so the last two weeks, uh, in no particular order, I had this one. When I'm older and I have a moustache and a budget, I'm going to... <laughs> Sorry, a moustache right. and which a budget. Is, <laughs> yeah, the two indicators yeah. of adulthood. Which, Exactly, which is the best start to any any oh, sentence. Yeah, I'm all in. I am all in for the rest of this sentence. When I'm older and I have a moustache and a budget, I'm going to parachute onto Mount Olympus. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, you, you do you, Jay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fully supportive of it. Oh, oh so that was, that was particularly fun. Um, he also said, and I still don't know how how this was intended. Uh, you can trust an oyster with a jetpack as much as you can trust me. What? <laughs> you can trust an oyster with, with a jetpack jet as much as you can trust me. How does his brain connect those things? How does it go from know. oyster to jetpack? Does that mean he is trustworthy or he's not trustworthy? Well, that's the question. I mean, would you, <laughs> in know. all seriousness, Mark, if you saw an oyster <laughs> with a jetpack, would you trust it? That's what you've got to ask yourself. I <sighs> Probably not. No. So maybe that's the point he was making. <laughs> um, okay, another one from the archives from the last two weeks. If you actually think about it, canals cause more problems than they solve. What? How? What problems has he ever been caused by a canal? I don't know. I don't know. But but if you follow that logic, what what do they solve? 
<laughs> Transportation of goods in the I yeah, but not now. Oh, I mean, yeah, they, they, they yeah, cease but... to be relevant. So well, actually, he's he's he, pretty he's prescient making... in what he's saying. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're reaching a bit. There. <laughs> I'm trying. He's a, I'm trying to a genius. It. He's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> and and the final what the flip moment uh, is. Uh, when he very earnestly no. looked at me and went, if you ever make me a Christmas jumper, I want it uh, to be of a mongoose eating a sausage. What? <laughs> and I went, why? Yeah. And he just went, why not? And walked off. Indeed. That was it. Just left me Indeed. with that. Indeed. Just... Why not? <laughs> why not? See? So, You've got to change um, your thinking. Because I mean, there, there has never been a question of me making a Christmas jumper for Jay, but it's never been on the cards, but, but if just in did, case I am thinking of it, yeah, now, now I know. Now you know. I, I think he's done you a favour there. <laughs> so if any of the listeners out there has a, a pattern of a Christmas jumper well, that is a mongoose eating a sausage, let me know. I'm not even uh, sure what I'll... a mongoose is. What is a mongoose? <laughs> it's it's, it's, a, it's a, a mammal. It's a bit ottery. I is guess, uh, but but not not in in kind of wet environments, in more desert environments. Maybe. It's a dry, a dry otter. It's a dry otter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And nor would they really come into contact with sausages. So uh, <laughs> I've got a number of issue, issues. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. But let's just throw that right. whole case away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the final thing I wanted to do in this section, uh, because as I say, we, we spend a lot of time looking at the challenges that we have with our kids and um, and focusing on some of the difficulties. I wanted to take a moment for you to tell me the best things about your kids. Oh, God, where to begin? George is a hedonist. He just <laughs> grabs life with both hands and wrings every last bit of joy out of it. And if you let him, he takes you with him. Um, mm-hmm. He he goes to he regularly goes to punk gigs at an anarchist vegan club where he's just got this big circle of anarchist friends, and it's the perfect environment. So that I just love that hedonism and that joy. Um, and Dottie, I was thinking about this the other day. So Dottie's nearly 17 and she wants to spend time with us. And I look mm-hmm. at my friends and my family who've got similar age girls and their kids don't want anything to do with them. They're off with their mates and their vapes and their whatever it is youngsters do. And I love that. I love that we get to keep them a bit longer and that we get to have that really close, really excellent relationship because mm. of her being autistic not in spite of it so yeah i would well, not be- swap yeah great <laughs> yeah i think otto is similar in that he's never wants to leave home yeah and why would they <laughs> he's gonna live with for the rest of life whereas jay i think he'll be out oh, he'll as be soon with he george <laughs> he'll move into george's house share and be down the cowley club at punk gigs doing god knows what I could totally imagine that. As long as he doesn't kick George in the nuts, I think he'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully he's learned his lesson on that one. 
Right, so that that's it for our inaugural episode of uh, of Neuro Shambles. All that remains for me to say is, firstly, thank you so much, Joe, oh, for being welcome. our very first guest, um, and for everything. And thank you to the audience for listening. Uh, this is where I do the bit about the socials because we've got a Facebook uh, and Instagram and Reddit. We're also on Threads, not Twitter, because why would you endorse that nonsense um and we've got loads of other episodes planned so we've got episodes uh, on birthday parties on holidays on special interests leaving the house sleep so if there are any topics that you want me to discuss with some of our guests please email us at hello at neuroshambles.com and uh, suggest anything and i'll see if i can fit it into uh, into the schedule uh finally if you like what you hear please like the podcast on your podcast platform subscribe to it so that you know when a new one drops and also tell people who you think might enjoy it and might kind of, kind of get something out of it uh and give us a review if you if you feel that way inclined as well only if it's a nice one obviously don't say it's rubbish um i'm not letting jay have access to this at all <laughs> yeah, uh, this is so all of those things are going to help us spread the word and hopefully get more people into our neuroshambolic uh tent which would be lovely uh now I always find it really difficult to sign these things off. I think it's important to sign off a podcast with a sort of a regular thing. And I was, I can't just say, bye, see you next time. Uh, well, I was thinking about this and this sort of perfectly dovetails with this episode because this is something that happened when we went camping, right? Um, and there was one time where we were camping and Otto was playing with uh, like uh, a, another kid uh in on the in the tent next door to us and we were playing the whole the whole weekend and they were getting on pretty well and then when it came time to to pack away we packed away and um we sort of went over to the family that they've been playing with the whole weekend and they went all right bye see you later and otto just turned around and he went have a nice life <laughs> um and i was like That's why did you why did you say have a nice life? And you went, well, I'm not going to see them later, later am I? Fair I mean, enough. I've only just met them and I'm not going to see them later. So that's not true. So if I say have a nice life, then that's the right thing to say. And I say Absolutely. Yeah, actually, yeah. you're completely correct. So um, I think inspired by Otto, this is gonna, <laughs> that's going to be my sign off for this podcast. Excellent. <laughs> so all that remains for me to say now is thank you very much, Joe. Thank you to the audience for listening and mm. have a nice life. <laughs> <laughs>